This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is July 22nd, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Hi, Brian. My name is Ralph Bidnarchik, and I was part of uh, WRHU, Hofstra Radio, in 1999 through 2003, and uh, very involved in uh, particularly the years uh, after that, uh, a good decade plus uh, after that as well. Okay. Um, when you were at uh, WRHU, what shows or programs or departments did you work in? Yeah, so uh, I was the sports director for about one year and nine months uh, or so. Uh, basically, I was uh, assistant sports director in uh, the start of uh, 2001. And then, um, you know, then we had a situation, uh, which is, uh, 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 you know, years later, uh, a funny story years later among the sports department. But Basically, I became a sports director and assistant sports director at the same time, uh, basically from April of 01 to the end of the year. And then I was sports director uh, for the entirety of 2002. Okay. Very interesting. Um, did you work on any of the music programs or news programs at WRHU? Yeah, I, I engineered uh, Out Behind the Barn with uh, Irv Sibner uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. That was probably my main slot. Uh, that I did for the majority of my uh, career there, and I also uh, also did enough uh, polka on an Oberic with uh, with Basha. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, uh, it, just depending on schedule, and you know, maybe there was a semester I did it, and of course the usual things such as uh, being on a Hofstra morning wake up call. They always had a sports guy on, uh, and there was always a uh, a newsline sports guy too. Uh, that I, I, I did enough as well. And of course, uh, everything to do with sports, of course, I was on. But the, non, the non-sports-specific things were those. Okay, very good. Did you use your own name on air? Did you have any nicknames or aliases? Nope, nope. Uh, I was always Ralph Bindarchik, just myself, just like I am myself today. Okay, very good. Uh, two-part question here. And, you know, however you... Uh, however this makes sense to you, feel free to answer it. But what was it that first brought you to the radio station? And then if you could describe it for those of us who weren't there at the time, maybe people that you met or time of year or something that was going on, what was it like when you first got to the station? Uh, Yeah, uh, well, I I wanted to become a sportscaster since I was 12 years old and uh, happy that I can continue uh, to have a career and have had a career as long as I have. Uh, so that's that's what drew me to Hofstra in the first place, uh, and then uh, I didn't know just how great WRHU was until I really got there. And uh, uh, of course, now it's a lot more in 2022. It's a lot more well known on the outside, but uh, upon entering, I didn't know just how great it was, and I consider it uh, great luck that I stepped into uh, an operation and a, and a department that. That just was uh, anything you could you could ever you could ever ask for and dream about uh, at that time, uh, and definitely at that time it was uh, you know you're walking into a training class and there was a lot of motivated people uh, within it, and uh, I thought that was great that there is a training class that there is a standard set uh, because most college radio stations around the country. There really isn't uh, from I've, I've had this discussion with Syracuse people, Fordham people, you know, all of those other places that think they are the best. They really don't have many 
standards at, at those other places. Uh, and, and, and especially outside of like the top five to eight places around the country, all the others, there is no standards. You just, if you want to be a member of the radio station or something like you're in, there's no, there's no class. There's no sacrifice of a whole semester. When you really think about that, a whole semester uh, of just taking a class or, you know, 80% of a semester taking a class, that's a sacrifice that not everybody wants to make. Uh, so that really weeds out kind of the people that are just going to drop off anyway uh, after doing it, you know, saying they're a member of the college radio station for two weeks and then, you know, going on to playing video games in their dorm rooms. Uh, that really separates, you know, the people that, that want to make something of it and the people that, that just uh, uh, want to be able to, you know, to mention that they are doing it on Instagram. So you mentioned making a sacrifice in, in a class. You're, you're talking about the, the training program, not necessarily a for credit class, but something that uh, new recruits uh, or new members of the station will go through and learn how to announce an engineer. Is that right? Yep. It's a, it's a 10 class training class. I don't know what year they started it, but uh, as far as I know that they, they still have the same structure uh, of it. Now, post pandemic, maybe it's different. But basically, right through through the pandemic, uh, they had it uh, every spring and fall semester. And then there were also years where they actually had a summer course, too, uh, which was a smaller. I know there was one year that they, it was, they probably put together an eight to 10 person class. It's usually, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of 20 to 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the other great thing I thought about the training class is that People that were on the uh, the administrative board, the AB or the executive board, EB, uh, sports director was AB role at the time. I don't know why, uh, but I, I didn't care about that at the time. Uh, and then eventually it became, I think it's executive board now. Uh, but you got to sit in on people's interviews and then essentially help handpick the future people and members of the radio station. So it wasn't like it was just Bruce Avery and, you know, the quote, people that are adult professionals that were choosing the kids. Uh, it, it, a lot had to do with, um, there were always multiple people in on, in on prospective uh, candidates interviews. So I thought that was awesome too. Did you know, I think you alluded to this, you, you knew about the radio station at Hofstra prior to going there. Is that one of the reasons that you came to Hofstra? I knew that they had uh, communications and, and journalism. So that was really the primary reasons. I knew they had. I knew they had kind of everything, mm-hmm. so that was the primary reason. Now I wish I could say I, I dug very deep into it at the time, but I didn't. Uh, and I, 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 I feel very fortunate that it was all as as encompassing uh, as it ended up being. Uh, all of them really have, you know, I, I think uh, great positives between the Chronicle and the and the print journalism program. Originally, I thought I might be a print journalist at, my, at the very beginning of college. Uh, HTV, of course, that has grown so much. At, at the time, it was it was okay. Uh, it probably didn't have maybe the volume of resources that it does today. Uh, and the radio station was probably ahead of those three, uh, among the three at the time. Okay. Do you remember anything about that interview process, about any of the questions or how you yeah, felt you, in that? You know, Brian, I was just thinking who was in my interview. I know it was Bruce. I think Ed was in it. I, I can't even a thousand percent sure if Ed if Ed Ingalls was was in my interview or not. I cannot actually honestly remember what it is, uh, but I remember just basically explaining that 
you know, I'm all about sports. This is what I want to do. This is what uh, uh, I have done. You know, uh, for example, in high school, I did the uh, homeroom announcements. I did PA for our JV basketball games my, my senior and junior years. So I did a bunch of other, you know, bunch of other things like that that showed that I was uh, pretty hardcore about it. And, uh, and of course, I knew later on that that was significant because that's all I looked for uh, when I was in on any interviews. You know, how hardcore is someone uh, if they're going to jump into the training class and into the radio station? Are they someone that's going to fall off after two weeks or are they going to be someone that's going to be legit uh, and be there and want to pursue some sort of a career with it uh, and, and not just uh, waste our time and waste someone else's spot? Uh, by dropping off after, you know, four weeks into the training class or one semester being in the station. And, you know, that could that could have been someone else, you know, that, that would have taken it seriously. Uh, so I, I remember that I definitely pushed that how serious I was about it, but I couldn't specifically tell you exactly what they asked questions or I, I just can't picture it. Okay. No, that's, 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 you're, you're painting quite a picture there. And, and uh, I love the, that, you're another one of us. I should start keeping a list of how many people did the the announcements at their high school prior to coming to the radio station. I think yeah, that's yeah. somewhat of a gateway drug to getting into yeah. radio. That's your your training ground there. Um, but I want to go back a little bit further. You said as as far back as the age of twelve, you knew that you wanted to be a sportscaster. Is there is there something that you remember loving about uh, about sports or about broadcasting or the combination that that uh, captured your imagination? I think it was uh, basically watching the games, and I just remember thinking how great it was to be at the games, the way the sportscasters were, and what they got to do, and not even just like the big games, but just like ev- everything that was on. You know, I grew up, you know, without cable television, so uh, it was just whatever that was on, I was watching uh, on, you know, on the free, on the free over-the-air channels, you know, CBS, NBC, ABC, etc., Fox. So whatever was on, you know, was, was, was mostly weekends. Uh, and then, uh, and then uh, starting to listen to WFAN sports radio, uh, which was big too. And basically that, that all I can think about was just how great that was to be able to do that. And as well as all the, all the sports that I would consistently read in the newspaper and books I read. Uh, so, so all of that just, uh, you know, basically captured my attention. And I just thought, um, you know, this is what I definitely want to pursue. Hmm. Um, going back to the to the training classes, um, do you remember anything in particular about those classes, or some good advice, or maybe other students who were in the classes with you at the time? Yeah, I, I think I, it certainly was. It, you know, the, the training class was not a joke. You know, like like you you had to you know you had to do some homework for it. You know, it just wasn't something that you just kind of show up for. For example, the training class wasn't like a defensive drivers course. You know, which which is something that most people can sleepwalk through. The training course was pretty legitimate where you're there. uh, You have to pay attention. You have to get uh, I think it was I think at the time you have to get a 90 or above on the test Mm -hmm. uh, uh, to graduate to it. Uh, I I think that was it. Uh, There was only one absence out of the 10 classes allowed. So, of course, attendance was substantial. Uh, you had to get cleared, uh, you know, it wasn't just passing the test, but you had to, you know, get engineering cleared, uh, announcing cleared. So there, there was a, a lot of things that went into it. Uh, so 
uh, you had to be you had to be diligent, and uh, it, it showed that this is not just something that you know, you know, uh, you show up and they put you on the air, and then there's no guidelines. Like there was, you know, a, a legitimate handbook, and uh, you know, like the textbook to it and assignments. So uh, it, it was all very legitimately done, and I'm sure it still is today. Hmm. Hmm. So um, once you get through that training course and you're cleared to be on the air it, you don't necessarily have to remember the specific time some of us do some of us don't but do you remember your feeling or your emotions or or your anticipation of getting on the air the first time you know what i'm trying to think of what that would be and i don't uh i probably should i remember like the first baseball game i did and who i did it with okay a guy, a guy named ray alexander but i don't remember the first time which would have been something in the studio I don't remember uh, what what that first time on the air was, so I don't have I don't have that great story of how my eyes lit up or anything like that. Right. Uh, to be honest, I probably thought it was just, yeah, I'm on the air, but no big deal because I expected it, okay. and uh, you know, so it wasn't like it was something that, uh, you know, I think when when you expect to do something, it's not the most, you know. Um, it's not the thing that just makes your eyes pop out. You know, I expected to at least, you know, jump on and being on, being on air in the studio and uh, just be comfortable. And then, uh, but the game broadcast, which was a baseball game, Hofstra baseball game, right. that was big because, of course, a baseball game is three hours. And, um, you know, like like that's, that's kind of, you know, you're not in the studio. You're actually at a game. You're broadcasting an event. That I remember and, and, uh, and that I remember just how great of an experience that was. Hmm. Do you remember uh, uh, who Hofstra played in that game? I think it was Wagner. I think mm -hmm. it was. I think it was Wagner College. Uh, I should actually go back and try to see which uh, which game it was, but I, but I, I really cannot. Okay. Okay. Um, you mentioned a few names. You mentioned Bruce Avery and Ed Ingalls. Uh, who else was around that was helpful at the time as you were getting started at WRHU? Well, I, I think uh, the, the, the great thing about the sports department is that it basically uh, it really kind of trains from within and, and, and trained from within uh, where the sports directors at the time, which were Vinnie Micucci, uh, the assistant sports director uh, uh, just ahead of me, Keith Arizari. Uh, but it really it, it's it was really just a collectiveness. Uh, Dan Gentile, Kevin Winter, uh, a little bit ahead of me, you know, a year or two ahead of me. Uh, but it was really just the environment that it created where you show up and, and even though I, I knew that I would work hard, uh, but I think the environment, uh, I think, pushed me to work, to learn how to work even harder and to prep even harder and to kind of surpass that. So I think because a very high bar was already set and that, uh, you know, look, if you, you were not going to be able to broadcast if you weren't going to be prepared. So there was there was a meritocracy to this uh, into earning, let's say, the, the positions of sports director and assistant sports director. And then, then later I created a tech sports spot and it's continued to grow. Uh, you had to be prepared so that you would get the plum assignments, which would be men's basketball, football, men's lacrosse. Uh, you know, you had to be legitimate. So even if you were an older guy, that didn't mean anything. Uh, you can be passed by someone that's working harder, that, that becomes more talented uh, because uh, and because they're showing up consistently. Uh, so that that's what uh, I think that's the understated part of it is that I don't know if the other departments ever have that. 
uh, because it, it just you know, you're you're always working together as a group. There's always six, seven, eight guys involved in every broadcast between the studio and the guys that are out. Uh, so so it, it creates a work ethic and a high bar uh, that sets everybody up very, very well towards trying to become a professional. Hmm. You were talking earlier about the, the structure and the guidelines of the station, and I imagine some of that comes through the sports department itself and, and the previous sports directors, and some of that comes uh, from Bruce Avery. Uh, but before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about Ed Ingalls. What can you tell me about what Ed brought to the sports department and to the station in general and anything for you in particular? Uh, first of all, that would, that would probably last an hour. And I think okay. everybody, everybody would have that, the same answer, uh, really, about what Eng- Ed Ingalls meant uh, to all of us, specifically in the sports department. Uh, I, I'm sure, you know, the, the news people and other people, yeah, I, I, I'm sure that they would have similar, but, uh, but the vast majority of us spent more time with Ed from sports than I think the other departments did. Uh, and then for me in particular, uh, basically we had a situation where four sports people basically, you know, in April 2001, uh, basically uh, we're, not, we're not allowed to be members of the sports department from that, the spring through the summer. So all of a sudden, the staff of, let's say, nine, you know, and let's say out of our, you know, top five guys, you know, or let's say four of our top six guys, something like that, were all gone. And it was just, you know, it was me and then, you know, and then a lot of, uh, you know, basically role players. Uh, So Ed and I really got close over that time uh, to help me navigate through it. Uh, Ed even um, worked two two Hofstra football games with me in the first two weeks of the 2001 wow. Hofstra football season and including taking a road trip with Ed. Uh, and even, you know, there's many stories, you know, where Ed and I stayed in the same hotel and that the game was at Rhode Island. And uh, so I actually got to work games with Ed at that time. And, and wow. basically, uh, in essence, he was kind of like co-sports director, where basically I was able to, you know, run through a lot of uh, things with him and uh, and we just became very close from from there for and uh, that's why I, I, that's kind of where it starts where I, I considered him uh, always to be my mentor uh, not just as a professional but also uh, just as a tremendous professional and classy human being period uh, even if he just didn't even if he didn't work in radio or, or media or anything like that uh, so so that that's where it really starts for me and then uh, uh, and then I worked with Ed. Uh, basically, I worked Hofstra Sports Casting Camp for kids, uh, which was every summer for basically a ten-year period. Mm. Uh, basically, about one year out of school. Uh, yeah, pretty much, pretty much 2003 until 2011. Uh, pretty much all the way, all the way through there. So I worked uh, with Ed, uh, basically being like his, um, you, you could say, number one number one um, helper or something. You know, however you want to put it. You know, whatever role. But basically, I was there you know, five days a week or four days a week. And, and there were, you know, many, you know, several other guys that, that, that helped out, but I was probably among the top two people that uh, consistently helped out as that, as the camp grew, uh, grew and grew over that period a lot. Uh, so, so uh, my history with Ed uh, was, was very much uh, deep and outside the classroom. And there's just uh, no other, no other way to, to really define uh, how helpful he was in, in creating me who I am both as a broadcaster and a person 
uh, and and uh, and what I continue to think about uh, because it's just very you know what would Ed do or uh, you know do things that Ed would say to do. Hmm. Um, I. I wasn't there at the the same time that Ed was, but I certainly knew him by reputation and and of uh, his professional career and and the the handful of times I got to I got to be in the room with him. You could tell he was just a genuinely warm and and good person and and really caring and and became quite an educator. But as you're telling that story of 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 working with Ed and going on that trip to Rhode Island, in the back of my head, I'm I'm thinking, does he know? who Ed Ingalls is like, and, and not, not to diminish you at the time, but like sometimes you're in a situation where you're like, Oh, this guy's helping me out and that's great. And that's awesome. And he's a really good guy. But like Ed's a legend in sports broadcasting. Did he ever talk about the things that he did or did he ever say, you know, well, when I did this kid, I did this was, what was, what was Ed like well, uh, wait, in terms yeah, of talking uh, about his career? Sure. Uh, a, a lot more of it, of course, after I graduated, because yeah. uh, I, I had a chance to work uh, broadcasting high school sports with Ed uh, on uh, like tape delay, tape delay cable TV uh, on a Long Island. Uh, so I probably did somewhere in the vicinity of, I don't know, 50, 75 games, you know, like high school football with Ed as my analyst. Wow. Color analyst. So like those were a lot of car rides because we would carpool together and, and just spend a lot of time together. So I learned a lot more of that after the fact. Uh, while in school, I didn't necessarily know, but, but like I said, once, you know, once, once things happened in the spring of 01, where, uh, where I had to, uh, you know, where I really had to, uh, to step up big, uh, you know, and and Ed was there. And so we spent a lot of time together. That's where I really knew, okay, you know, uh, but, but it really wasn't just whatever Ed's resume was. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think that was like, if Ed never, you know, worked X amount of years for, for CBS News or, you know, had broadcast a, a Super Bowl with the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that would have been that big of a deal because because uh, he was still that significant and everybody's kind of, uh, uh, I think, uh, growth and, and as a mentor uh, and as a class act and example uh, that, that even if he didn't, he would still have an outsized impact. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it's, it's thank you for sharing those stories about Ed because because a lot of us know of Ed or knew him briefly. But uh, it sounds like you get to spend a lot of really great time with him. And uh, really, thank you so much for sharing that. That's that's great stuff. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think, Brian, I'm, I think I'm lucky that I might have been able to be the, the sports guy that perhaps spent the most time with Ed uh, over over the years just because of the high school sports. Right. And then um, sports casting camp, which was a lot of it wasn't just that week. You know, we would meet and talk over the phone and, you know, meet over at his house uh, to go through our syllabus and all that stuff. So uh, and it was just, you know, you know, go see it. You know, it wasn't just mm-hmm. a, a business trip. Uh, so so all of that was substantial, uh, uh, too. But it was also just, you know, going to, to, to see Ed uh, as well and hang out, of course, with his son, Kevin and. Uh, who later became a member of the sports staff, if people don't know, and then uh, also mm-hmm. his daughter Diana Ingalls, also. So, so it really was, um, you know, being a part of a sports family, uh, as, as it always was, and and, uh, and it still continues to this day. But uh, I think certainly, you know, who cares what the number is? But I think uh, I'm very lucky that I might have been able to spend more time with Ed uh, than any other sports guy, and and for that, I'm I'm very very grateful for. 
uh, because I, I know I know many many other guys would love to have spent as much time with him as I did. Hmm. You, you mentioned the word family in there, and there's there's Ed's literal family, and then the figurative family of of Hofstra Radio, and that that idea of of it, it's kind of bringing me back to another question about about you and your experience about feeling comfortable at the station and feeling comfortable on air and feeling like this is this is your group of people. Do you feel you felt comfortable pretty quickly, uh, or did it take some time, or was there a moment where you said, "Yep, I, I made the right decision. I'm in the right place." Uh, yeah, I would say immediately. Um, yeah, of course I was, of course I was better. Uh, of of course I was better the second, third, fourth times, Mm -hmm. but, um, I was, I felt very good right away because, uh, you know, when you prepare well, uh, you automatically will feel a lot more comfortable. And when this is what you want to do, then, you know, uh, that, that was really it. And, and at the same time, it wasn't like it was, uh, you, you know, you were talking about something that you knew, you know, if you do your prep, you're talking about sports. And then if you really want to do that, you're going to be excited about it. And there was really very little adjustment. Hmm. Um, we have the benefit of hindsight in looking back at, you know, these experiences that you had, uh, 20 years ago as a student and then, you know, up until about 10 or 12 years ago in, in working at that camp with, with Ed. But um, I'm going to ask you if it's possible to go back and imagine yourself at 18 years old making the transition from high school to college and, and getting started at Hofstra Radio. At that moment, at 18 years old, what did you hope Hofstra Radio would mean to you and what did it become? Uh, I, I hope that it would, it would prepare me to become a sportscaster, uh, I don't think that I, I don't think I, th- I thought about it any deeper than that. And I think what it became was that it became kind of a training ground towards basically being, uh, I think, growing up as a professional in, in all facets. And then uh, you're also joined in basically a family of sports guys. Uh, where you'll always feel a connection with them. I didn't. I never expected that. And even like today, you know, you know. Again, if if the pandemic didn't happen, you know, we would. You know, we still have alumni events, and you know, where we have softball, where we uh, uh, the the alumni versus current basketball game, uh, all that stuff. Where we had you know consistent events, you know, two three times a year. Uh, and uh, so, and then even if guys that I. You know, I, for example, I'm great friends with guys that I didn't go to school with, mm-hmm. but uh, but like you know, we feel like we're basically in the same family, and I think that that would be the same case for even younger guys today that let's say that I haven't met before, but just because they're members of WRHU Sports, even if they graduated in 2017, if I met them, I think there's just that kind of understanding connection uh, that you'll always have, uh, just you know, beginning with conversations and. And, um, and, you know, before you know it, you're going to feel like you're lifelong friends. Hmm. That's great. That's fantastic. Ralph, thank you so much for sitting down and sharing your stories and taking the time uh, to do this. I really enjoyed this. This was great. And uh, I especially love the Ed Engel stories. I mean, the whole thing. But uh, it's, it's really nice to have that, that particular insight. So thank you for doing this. And uh, let's do this again sometime. Let's see if we yeah. can come up with some more stories. 
Brian, anytime. Uh, I, I, I know that I speak for many, many people that we could talk about Ed and give you great story, great Ed stories that are that are both off air and on the air mm-hmm. for hours. Uh, and, and I hope that someday there is a, a, you know, that's the shame of it that, you know, Ed passed away. It was March 4th of 20. Hmm. And um, basically just around that same time where it became kind of like, yeah, we're going to go do a, uh, a memorial to Ed of some kind. Let, let's say basically people showing up and speaking and sharing Ed stories, that kind of thing. Uh, just about that time, I remember there was talks of doing that. And then, of course, uh, the threat of the virus mm-hmm. started to come up, and then, and then, then that was it. And uh, so, I hope that someday we we get around to doing that. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I know there there have been some tributes, like virtually, but you know, still, there, there certainly could be. They were they were paired off compared to what they could have been if not for the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a uh, it's a great point, and uh, I'm looking forward to the day that uh, we can all get back together as a community and, and share stories and listen to stories about that. I think that'd be fantastic. Yep. Thanks so much, Brian. Thanks for doing Thank this. Thank you.